All right, welcome back to the Fix the Money podcast. I'm Nico, and I'm sitting here with Jeff Booth. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Nico. Great to see you. It's good to see you, man. Um, this is our second time that we meet in Alpbach in the mountains of Tyrol. I promise uh, that this will be published a lot sooner than our last uh, episode because it took me like half a year to publish this. Um, but of course, you always talk about first principles, so it's not it's not too important to to come out. So first of all, how are you doing? How are you enjoying Alpbach? Uh, excellent. It's beautiful here. Besides the rain this year, yeah, the weather, the weather. We yeah, see, yeah. The, we see the fog. It's very green, um, and we're not alone today. We're sitting here in Haus Lichtenstein, which is um, occupied by the community, the Club Lichtenstein. Um, say hi, guys. Hi. Um, we are we're doing basically the first uh, fixed money podcast live show in its history. Um, yeah, we're gonna do a little talk about why our money is broken and why Bitcoin is the solution. Um, about first principles, we're gonna do a deep dive today, and then we're gonna open it up um, for questions from the audience and just gonna have a chat uh, with Jeff. Um, well, about the past and the future of money. Um, I mean, I'll just ask the very very obvious question, Jeff. Why is our money broken? Um, we live in a debt-based system where where the debt is money, and that requires you to constantly increase the uh, that debt each year against a backdrop where technology should be making prices cheaper. So once the debt gets too big um, and you can't pay back the debt because the economy can't pay that back, then the debt has to be monetized to be able to keep it solvent. And that monetization or inflation that it arises out of that monetization, steals from part of the population and transfers to another part of the population. It means monetizing debt just basically means printing money? Print, printing money. Yeah, um, and, and there's a whole bunch of different vehicles to ways to, but ultimately it's printing money. It's creating more money supply. And and if you said, if, if, you, thought that, if you thought the world could get richer by creating more monetary units, um, and that would work for a long time, then in the 5,000 years of human history, you think we would have already solved that. We would just make everyone rich by printing all the money. Um, it obviously doesn't work. It obviously doesn't work. It obviously has consequences. But we're living in a time um, where people are measuring the system from the system, and they don't see the consequences building. Um, and those consequences are getting um, too, really bad to a point where there's going to be massive monetization or, or, or you could say theft in money to be able to pay back insolvent debt. So what, what would be that, some of those consequences? What, what do you see in the world that you think, oh, right, that's because the money is, is broken? So, and this is where uh, there's, there's so many things, but uh, family structure. Um, delay of kids uh, it, because now it, it by by manipulating money so so two parents 50 years ago one person could work um, have a family and the other person could stay home and, and look after the family you can't do that anymore and and pay for pay for housing and pay for food so it's forced people to work harder and harder on a most wheel to to go faster and faster and faster and spend all their time in work um, um, at the expense of family, that's that's one impact. Another impact is the massive rise in um, in uh, the rich versus poor, um, and 
and I like to say, here's a simple, simple way to, uh, to look at it. If, if there was 8 billion monetary units in the world and 8 billion people and, and Nico, you had two monetary units, I had one. Um, and, and all of a sudden there was a magical person that could say now there's 16 billion monetary units. If your two didn't go to four, you lost money. But if it went to three, you would think you were winning. So you wouldn't see the theft that came from it. And, and if you're at the top, you win more because inflation is wage deflation. So if you have assets, they're somewhat protected from that. But at the end of that cycle, typically the assets aren't protected very well either because the state has to either take them back through force or, or, or usury tax rates to be able to, to, to protect that because what ends up happening, that inflation being wage deflation, the younger population gets penalized and the people that are workers, productive members of society are, are, are penalized to the, to the form of rent seekers. All of the people sitting on top, creating more and more rent seeking, um, all the productive members of society get penalized and they either stop working and rest on the state because they can't, they can't, and then the state has to, to solve that problem and still get elected and still get elected. The state caters to those people and you get socialism everywhere and you print more money, make it worse to be able to do that. Um, or, or they rise up and, and, and overthrow a government. Um, and that's, and, and that's why you're seeing the divide of politics and everything else. And it's, and then you see all of these second, third, other order consequences of the same thing and i'll use climate change as an example so climate change or let's use esg so think of any part of esg that is solvable from a manipulated ledger or manipulating money so so let's use environment first so you're what you're saying is by printing more money forever to grow forever on a finite planet where by the nature of printing, I make prices go up. So everybody has to work more, buy more, spend more, drive two cars instead of one cars. Cause I have two, two, uh, two, two people working that consumerism and not just consumer, all the labor and everything else, all because you wouldn't let prices fall. Um, so you're printing money to make to people the kind of mice on wheels to go faster and faster. So it presupposes essentially inflation by manipulating money. You could grow forever and fix that problem of climate change or environment problem by growing forever on a finite planet. So you can't, it's actually, you could simplify that and you could say inflation equals climate change. Um, I want to go back to what you started off with um, the development from basically the 1950s to today. Um, I mean, because many things also got better, right? Um, it's not just uh, things didn't just go got worse. It got actually better at least for a long time. But today we see, and this is something you touched on, some of the talking points we see in actually popular politics here in Austria today is tax the rich and then tax them again. Um, the cost of living The cost of living is too high. The rents are too high. Nobody can afford a house anymore. And, and this is especially interesting, the young people don't want to work anymore. Yeah. Um, so how does this, does it, the whole, you know, 
inflation of money, does it just get worse and worse and worse? And is this what we're seeing right now? So it has to get worse and worse and worse. And let's just say, it, so the form of the short-term debt crises and then turning into long-term uh, debt crises, it was where it's really kicking the debt upstairs to a higher level. So typically what ends up happening is you have to, let's start first. Think about, think about, what inflation is and, and why it's created out of increasing money supply. And nobody has a vote in that. So we believe we live in a democracy, but yet we don't have a vote for, for both part, all parties will print money. So we actually don't have a true vote in our money. That is the most important thing in an economic calculation all around the world. Because all we do around the world, the emergent complex behavior of us cooperating comes out of trade between between all of us and we rely on each other all over the world to do little parts of jobs to be able to rely on each other so if you have a manipulated money if you have a thesis or if you have a thing, thing the only way tr humans can trade with each other is if we manipulate money if we if we steal money from some people and transfer it to others so you could say if you have a dishonest ledger that backs global trade, the mere reflection of that dishonest ledger would look like who would win, who would lose. And so we have a dishonest ledger. Now, the reason we have a dishonest ledger is because we live in a credit-based system. And if a credit-based system allows deflation, the credit collapses. So the, credit, so the prices can't come down generally. Some prices of some industries can, but overall prices can't come down. You can't allow deflation from, from a credit-based system because if the entire system is built on credit, it collapses. There's nothing backing it. So once that happens, you people, people build fear, greed, everything else, and, and you continue. To, and at first it feels okay because you're not doing it very very much. You're not increasing money supply very much. But as you get to the end of that cycle and you've, let's say, let's say there's, let's use 1981 as an example in the U.S. or, um, or, or in the 70s, late 70s, 80s. Um, high debt um, and and high inflation, or sorry, high inflation rate that uh, 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 the Federal Reserve clamped down on and interest rates went to 21%. It killed the economy. And all the businesses that got killed, killed in there, um, then social spending has to go up to be able to cover that. So the debt that was at the, the private just got kicked upstairs and the government debt grew at, at, at that time. So instead of being private, it got kicked upstairs. And the, and the, and the government debt in... in uh, at that time was about 30% um, uh, of, of GDP. Now the government debt in the U.S. is 120%. So now once it's that big, you can't, there's nowhere to kick it up to, right? You can't, if, if, because the, the government defaults if you allow, if you, if you take interest rates too high because it can't pay the debt, the interest on, on the debt. So you can't kick it upstairs anymore. So, so, so you basically kick it into the, the money and the money gets devalued. And the money gets devalued. But, but is that not within the system that we live in? Is that not the most logical and even humane thing to do? So within the system we're living in, yes. 
but it's but that doesn't say that there's not a, a different way to think about this problem so so if if a so technology is deflationary so what would what would happen in a free market with technology being deflationary so prices fall to the marginal cost of production that is an economic law that follows uh, in a free market and there's nothing that can stop that in a free market it's why your calculator app is free on your phone it's why many of the other apps are free it's why cuz cuz a line of code um that's free especially when now that a computer will write the line of code all of those things become free and why because if you the first person even if you look at chat gpt for you pay for that and then 2 minutes later there's a there's 20 other models that are free and the market competes to try to drive that down lower and lower and lower and if you use a calculator app as an example there's 50 calculator apps in the in the iPhone store if somebody said i'm going to create the 51st and i want to raise money to be able to do that you would laugh them out, the, out of the door. nobody because we don't pay for that you'd laugh at them like you would laugh at an entrepreneur coming into this room and say i'm going to sell you oxygen right it's the same thing as that happens prices fall to the marginal cost of production because of that competition and in fact we gain from that abundance so that abundance flows to society and we gain from it so and then number 2 we have exponentially increasing productivity so if if prices fall to the marginal cost of production and now you've exponentially increasing productivity that means you should have exponentially falling prices um and 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 the only thing that could measure exponentially falling prices is a stable money supply that you can't manipulate so something of with a fixed money supply and it would force prices to fall for for everybody in other words everyone on the planet would get richer every year by the natural free market working and driving prices down that's what that's what would happen but in fact the reason for the rise the exponential rise in debt that we've seen and the exponential rise in mon- uh, manipulation of that debt is actually the technology moving faster we would have been here a lot sooner without basically the invention of the microchip and the internet is that no, what you're saying we would have been here later well at the inflation inflection point yeah. we would have been sooner right no no so so what what would so so what's happened is is the the debt has to the debt has to grow faster and then the inflation has, well, it has to, to offset the deflation has to off the, offset the deflation so and then the debt's grown so fast so this is what i wrote in my book the 20 years preceding 2019 the and you couldn't look at it in one region or consumer debt or government debt you had to look at all because re- we live in a global society you had to look at all debt um uh, and what all debt globally grew and all gdp globally grew and so in the 20 years preceding and um uh, so up to 2019 it's called 1999 to 2019 uh, we grew debt by 185 trillion dollars now now just to put the exclamation on mark on that if you pay tried to pay that debt back at $1 a second if you tried to pay it back 1 trillion dollars at $1 a second it would take about 32,000 years yep 
We didn't add one trillion, we added 185 trillion. And global economy only grew 46 trillion. So $4 of debt for every one, approximately $4 of debt for every $1. And so as that gets worse and worse, it becomes known that there's just no way out of it. You're in a debt trap. You have to keep adding debt at a faster and faster rate. And when people won't take on that debt, you have to monetize that debt and you have to make, and you have to drive super high inflation to be able to bring down the debt to GDP lower. And that's why when I was young, because we're sitting here with, I should say this very young people, right? I, I'm 40. How old are you, Jeff, anyway? <laughs> I don't want to say. <laughs> I'm 54. So you're 54. Uh, because, because when I talk to people who, who were basically in school in 2012, and I think most of you were probably, um, you know, they don't even remember the Euro crisis or the Greek crisis. And, 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 and I have to constantly remind myself that. But, but I mean, I'm old enough to remember when a billion dollars was a lot of money um, and like maybe and, and a trillion was un unthinkable. Um, have I ever told you the, the story of the Billionenweg in Germany? No. So in there's a, there's a German town. I don't know where it is, but you can find it on Google Maps. And it has and in, in German, a bil billion billion in German is actually a trillion, right? Because there is a there's some mix up with French, and so that's why the German word billion is actually the English word trillion, right? Okay. And there's we always mix it up, so it's important. Billionenweg Weg is is a small street in a small town. It's like 200 meters long, and it was uh, it was it was named after the cost during German hyperinflation. They paid a trillion marks for like 200 meters of asphalt, right? That's why it's called Billionenweg. You can check it out on, on Google Maps. Um, and by the way, just for the record, because you said you, you would pay for ChatGPT, I don't because I, I, as a protest against WorldCoin. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm, I'm sure Sam Altman is already, you know, shivering. It's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, he's already scared of me. Um, so... My question is this: You said in the beginning that that you know we've been here for for millennia, and there, there's the free market has has, has worked long before um, you know we had this this monetary system of today. Um, and and I can find you about 150 economists, and you know very close to here, you can all tell you tell me that what you just said is nonsense. Uh, why did we end up here if it's so for you so obvious that it's that it's that it, this is reckless and insanity? Well, is it is it? And, and this is my question: Is it because there wasn't an alternative is this is this how we how we would have ended up always without something like bitcoin or is is there some other reason yeah let's go into the bitcoin uh, afterwards but in the in the you know, gold gold is backing currency um and and what would normally happen in that it just before i go into that just remember throughout history If a currency could be manipulated for some people's gain over other people's loss, it will be. Not it might be, it will be. So if that is allowed to happen, for sure it will happen. And that it, because people, uh, there's so much power in manipulating currency because, because you, get to, you get to tax all of labor. You get to take all of labor into your hands. Um, and, 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 And it gets worse, and it gets worse and worse. So if you're at the top of that, there's a very compelling argument to try to get to the top of that and tax all and tax all of labor because they wouldn't know that that's happening. Why we say two? Why people say two percent inflation? It's just a made up number. It's the same made up number. It's made up because you wouldn't notice if somebody came into your house and stole two percent of your stuff slowly all year long. 
Right. Just some, what, stuff just disappears so out of the basement. Been, oh, I must have lost that. I must have lost that. And we don't notice it. So, so, so we don't really, we don't think about it as a regressive tax that we're not voting for because it's hidden and it happens so slowly. And so we're frogs boiling in a pot and we don't notice it until it has to go up to 3%, 5%, 10%. It's way worse than that because the natural rate of deflation is probably about negative five or about 5% prices per year are getting cheaper. So the real theft is way higher than we think. Um, and why do you think the big tech companies that create these monopolies and then remove the labor to be able to, to, to use the technology are gaining those monopolies so fast? It's from the same, uh, same process. And then they get into cahoots with the government to be able to keep, uh, to keep that. So, so that's what the, the, that's what this looks like. Um, unfortunately, but it can't, you said, why does it look like that? Gold is a gold as backing currency. And then let's say a bank held that, that, uh, that gold. And if gold had to be one to one for, for, for your money, there would never be a bank run, um, uh, because you'd, you'd be fully backed, but the bank can make more money because nobody ever, all, they all, all people don't come back and get their gold at the same time. So they fractionize land it and they get less and less gold and more and more paper gold. And then at some point there's a bank run. Um, and if you, if you were a bank in a free market and your competitor reserved at 50% and you reserved at 20%, you'd make way more money. Right? So, so it's a race to the bottom and everybody tries to, 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 to lever in a free market to make more money or to, or to offer higher interest to be able to do it. And then it creates a risk. And then there's a panic. Everybody goes to get their gold and it's not there. And the government has to step in and nationalize that. And then the government has the gold, right? And then, and then, then a different trading block is more competitive and the, and they started accumulating gold. And people change the rules because gold gets centralized, and they and and when they change the rules and they and they break tenets of capitalism with another country, we typically go to war um, to fix that uh, to fix that problem. How do you how does that work? Because it divides your country so much. It's easy for a politician to take advantage of that to take advantage of the the majority that are that are penalized by that process by that inflation rate against the, the, the rich. So populist po politician jumps in, says, I'm going to take care of it. Can't take care of it from the system. So they have to create a bigger enemy outside of the borders to be able to convince a population to go to war that it's not their fault. And so we see this through history, this exact same process going through largely because gold had to be centralized um, and it couldn't trade it couldn't trade at the speed of um, at the speed of digital networks there I'm asking because there might be and we're getting to Bitcoin now but there have been historic examples for stable stable money like the florine from from Fiorentina for for centuries was, the main coin and it's probably it's the first it's the first chapter in 
in Nick Batia's book, Layered Money, which I think is brilliant because it's probably the best example for what we talk about with Bitcoin. It was basically privately issued money. Yes, it came from a city-state, but within the context, it was not like like we, we, we understand money today. And it worked very well. And then there was the gold standard, of course, a global, global, let's say, hard money standard. But we never really... Did we see actual price deflation for a long time? Like you said, like 5% every year, because that is something that I think many, many people have very, very hard time wrapping their head around. Yeah, so two different things. Technology is moving exponentially and actually always has been. But, but and and you've heard me say this before, but if you fold a piece of paper on itself 50 times, you can only fold it seven times. But if you could fold it 50 times, the, the piece of paper would be as thick from here to the sun. And if, And that breaks people's brains because when you ask them the question, they would say it's about two inches, but from here to the sun is a lot more than two inches, but the same thing in an exponential trend, um, the, the, as you get further down the curve, the, the steps are bigger. So if you compare where we are in technology right now, or to compare just not technology broadly, let's compare just Moore's law, then we're on fold 34 going to 35. And so why you see the speed up of technology changes right and and what's happening is that you can't keep up to it and it's all over the place where artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence is going to merge with robots soon enough and it's coming at us at a speed we can't uh, almost comprehend that process is deflationary at a rate that we can't comprehend either because we're not used to that deflationary rate we're used to in in where you're talking about it wouldn't have been 5% deflation. It would have been 0.1%. Okay. Because technology so basically stability, so basically pri- like like actual price stability, not like Lagarde's price stability, but like actual price stability. Exactly. And so the great deflation in, in, in the US too, in the late 18, 1800s, where the middle class is getting richer and richer and richer through, de- through deflation, um, uh, which kind of forms the US Uh, example because you had such uh, uh, such wealth such broad broad wealth it was a very wealthy time in the, in the states and that was on a hard a hard money standard there was there was in the late 1800s so that would have been you know ended by the introduction of the federal reserve basically right interesting but but is there any like conceivable way within the old system to actually have a thief and we will talk about like the the um societal um, consequence of deflation but like technically bitcoin as a money can be divided infinitely basically down down to into its parts right yeah. but you can't divide the dollar infinitely and you cannot divide gold infinitely at some point you can't touch it anymore so is is that an innovation that bitcoin is bringing that we can actually now build an, a deflationary system that could work long into the future yeah and when i when i think about a deflationary system all it is is, is a neutral reserve asset it's it's or you the, uh, maybe the best way to describe it is there's so many different ways to describe it because it's almost a prism uh, um, it's the rabbit hole is very deep on, on on bitcoin but what i prefer is it's an honest ledger it's it, and 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 i ask myself why is there so much consternation in the world for an open and honest ledger like wouldn't we want that and what does it say about society the way society is formed and the way the rules are built when people are are totally against bitcoin 
because they want to have a dishonest ledger. Fix the Money is brought to you by 21 Bitcoin, the easy way to buy, sell, save, and send Bitcoin. 21 Bitcoin is a Bitcoin-only app, not an exchange. There's no distractions. There's an individual savings plan, very low fees, first-class personal support, and a German bank account. Based in the Austrian Alps, it's available now throughout Europe. Download now using the code FIXTHEMONEY to get up to 20% off your fees over there on 21bitcoin.app. Not your keys, not your coins. You need a hardware wallet signing device. Check out the Bitbox O2. Swiss made, secure, beautiful, open source, Tor support, Bitcoin only, and an all around outstanding product. Use the code FIXTHEMONEY on shiftcrypto.ch to get 5% off. That's the Bitbox O2. Fix the money. Well, is it is it a, a, a consequence of of the broken monetary system? Because we've talked about this, and you see this in all kinds of fields. Like whenever you have an expert, they don't want to fix the problem they're talking about. They just want to keep on talking about the problem because that's what pays the money, right? Yeah, um, and and but and it's not just that. If you're an expert in a field, most of the things you see don't mean anything. Most of the things you see over, they don't mean anything. So it's easy to have blindness to something that actually does change change the rules. Because your entire being is is on top of that that expert bias. That is your identity, <laughs> on, on and and so something that changes all the rules that you've you've set out and you've created your career on. Typically, you're blind to it, but I do understand because in, in in a lot of cases, let's say in a in a business, a CEO in a business, most of the stuff they see won't work. So it's easy to tune out the stuff that is very different that would work too in favor of or put it off. I'm going to wait until and and and, to, and typically until it's too late. Like they use Kodak as in the Kodak example, right? Steve Sasson. Um, twice went to the executives at Kodak to try to get them to, uh, to, to, they invented the digital camera yet. They went to the business because of the digital camera because they tried to protect their film business. So that's pretty, that's pretty normal. Um, and, and Schrumpeter talked about that. That's creative destruction. That, that's how the, that's how the markets work. Uh, do we have, do we still have that? Or is in, in, in the end times of fiat when everything gets bailed out, is, is creative destruction also um, not possible anymore? Yeah, it, it fails. So what, so, so what ends up happening today, so, so if you knew the rules of capitalism aren't actually rules of capitalism anymore, the rules of crony capitalism, then what you would want to do is you'd want to get really big and be a key at piece of that. Because if you get really big and you're too big to fail, the government has to bail you out um, uh, if, to socialize, socialize those losses. Essentially, your heads you win, tails you win. Mm-hmm. Right? 2008 in, in, in the U.S., all of the same people that are still talking heads on TV and in all the banks that were responsible for the 2008 crisis are still making the rules for this crisis. Right? Of course. And actually, the only thing that's happened is there's more too big to fails, right? Sure, because, <laughs> because because you've sent a message to capitalism that don't worry if you get big enough. So you've 
you've totally distorted the incentives and that has a cost to society. And then when, when people start to look at that, they don't believe in the system anymore. And, and, and that, then you get, you get either monopoly is a really good example to, to use us, right? You go around the board and, and, and in, in that game, if you're lucky, you land on the right squares, you collect houses, people land on those houses, you get rents, and eventually the game ends or it gets kicked over because people get so mad. <laughs> the game ends and it starts again, everybody gets to play. But what if the game kept going around and around and around and all of the people going past go couldn't, the $200 didn't get them around the table, but the people that owned the houses said, oh, I, here, let's give them 300 and then the house values just went higher. Yeah. Right. And then, and then they couldn't get around the board again and they got madder and madder and that game couldn't end for them. They had to work harder and harder and harder and that game couldn't end. Because they always get more money? Because they're getting more money and exactly as they get more money, the houses go up by that much. So I, I, right? <laughs> I, I actually, I, I, I do credit Monopoly with basically my understanding of, of fiat money because when we were kids, we would, we would start um, going into debt with each other. Right, so when the money would run out, we would just get out a ledger, and then um, you know I would owe Jeff money, and then when you come to my uh, things uh, to my hotel, I would just strike out the money. And for the fr from the beginning, for the like, we would play over days, right? And so for the first days, it would feel good; everybody was getting rich. And then after a while, it was it, it's pointless because the money is worthless, and that's hyperinflation. You kick off the the board and you start again. But, but, the same. Uh, example is also like in original uh, Monopoly, you get 200, right? Yeah. So the money supply in the game gets inflated. And like the MMT argument would be um, you have to inflate the money supply, otherwise nobody would be able to afford the hotel in the first place. So so think about, so if there's technology and technology should make prices come down, then what would happen is if you had a fixed money supply, all prices would fall. There's technology in housing too. There's technology and energy. There's technology everywhere. And so you would have a different rate of falling. And so if you think only computers fall and only um, uh, only uh, digital things that are digitized fall, then you're missing the broader scope of where technology is going. We are going to put artificial intelligence in robotics. And those things are going to do all of the other things in the next 10 years that we take for granted that aren't completely automated. But to say that there isn't technology and energy and energy storage and energy distribution, there's technology everywhere. Use, use an egg as an example. Should it cost more for an egg now than it did 50 years ago? Makes no, it's ludicrous. Right? It's ludicrous. There's technology in egg production, right? There's, um, and it's, it, it's a chicken, right? The, the, it shouldn't, co it shouldn't, <laughs> it shouldn't cost more. Um, and, and so, but we've convinced ourselves that there's a massive there's a massive belief in the world that inflation is required for a productive economy and it's just it totally wrong it's it, it, so you might as well replace the word inflation with theft because you don't vote for it you're saying theft is required for a productive economy but where, where, but where does all the money end up if it's stolen government gets bigger Big companies get bigger because because if you own more of the assets, it rises rises to the top, and the population, the most productive members of the population, get poorer and poorer and poorer. And if you look at the world, that's what's happening. It's 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 more than that because because 
um, in in the in the U.S. So if if you have if you have the monetary supply of the world, the U.S. and with the Triffin dilemma, that means that other you have to be the buyer of the world, and everyone else has to be the seller to uh, to, to you. And so you can get away with that game for a long time by having essentially exporting your inflation to other countries. So, they, so they devalue their currencies over and over and over, and it protects your inflation rate because you're buying cheaper and cheaper goods because they're getting rug pulled. So cobalt in our batteries wouldn't be economically valuable or feasible today if you paid people more than $2 a day for in Ghana for the cobalt. And so, but that's a structure that we that, that, that say today the West takes advantage of and the IMF comes in and says, we'll save the day and we'll give you a loan to be able to revalue your currency. And But you have to revalue your currency down, make everyone poorer, all of those savings destroyed in an instant to, to be able to get the loan, to be able to keep the system in check. check. That's the way it works today. But we've only like... We're 35 minutes in. We've only touched on Bitcoin once or twice now. So, so, so even fast. even if you <laughs> and you do make a lot of sense. And and by the way, the Triffin dilemma is 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 basically that it it states that the United States as the uh, issuer of the world currency gets into trouble at some point because they always have to export more money that they import stuff because we actually need that money to play Monopoly with. Um, and at some point, the US will have other interests and will not export as much money anymore and then would have a problem in the rest of the world. That's some, basically. And it's also the reason why they can import basically energy for free and drive the biggest cars in the world while I drive a small car that's actually quite efficient but still small. Everyone else has to play by different rules. Yeah. So essentially, U.S. If, if in the last hundred years, U.S. is on average eight and a half percent increased money supply per year. That means that means other people have to work that much harder because their value of in their currency is 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 going down by that. They're selling their goods for a piece of paper that's losing value by eight and a half percent to the year. So back to Bitcoin. So so I, all of you, what do you say? It makes sense to me. It might make sense to many people. But then you already have the solution, and it's this magic internet money thing. Um, and 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 many people have heard about it, but they've also heard that there is twenty thousand magic internet monies, and so they don't really know why you know this first thing should be quote unquote the solution. Can you give me the elevator pitch? <laughs> yeah, only that. Um, so, so I would say so. Um, The blockchain trilemma is probably a good place to start here. So on a, any, any blockchain, you can solve two of three parts of, of what I'm going to talk about, but you can't solve all three on a, on a layer of the blockchain. You can, solve security, you can solve decentralization, security, or scalability. And so pick two of three. Bitcoin chose, through an elegant design, um, an open source model, a decentralized and se decentralized and secure, secure. And objectively, today, it's far more decentralized and secure than it was in the beginning. And every year it gets more decentralized and more secure. So you can tell it works. That's why it, as a store of value um, today, it, it's stronger and stronger and stronger uh, every year, um, more and more users. The rate of adoption of that is tracking the exact same rate of the adoption of the internet, exactly the same. So forget about price for a moment. 
the utility, if you said, what's the utility? The utility against that decentralization and security means it's a store of value against everything we just talked about. In the existing system, you will there's $400 trillion of global debt. The only way to pay it back is to through financial repression. Your wages and savings will be stolen. So it's, it's, it's mathematically guaranteed no matter what. Um, in, in this protects that. So that decentralized and secured as a store of value protects you from that, that rep- financial repression, and there's nothing governments can do about it. Um, no matter what they do, it's so far decentralized and secure. It can't, it, I don't think it can be stopped. So how would you compete with that? And, and what I'd say is human nature is a funny thing. If you had the perfect thing, think in your own life, and you, it's something that you loved, you want to change it. Right? I, the, the, you take for granted the, the, the thing and you want something new. So it's normal for humans to want to change, change something. Even if you had the perfect invention, there would be a market for a whole bunch of people who would try to change it. Wait, is that why I always have to buy a new iPhone every year even though it doesn't do anything different than the old one? Is that <laughs> the reason? Right. That's, that, yeah, well, that would be one of the reasons. But, 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 again, but the entrepreneurial process, I can make that better. Right, I can make that better. But let's just use just so it, it, Bitcoin started decentralized. It was decentralized and secure, and the only utility it could have there, because it sac- it could only do five to seven transactions a second on the base on the base chain. The only value it could have is a store of value against what we were talking about, and most people don't know that their money is being eroded, so they didn't care. But then Bitcoin grew and grew and grew because it was a, a store of value. And it made a whole bunch of people rich. And all they could do is hold it. They couldn't do anything with it. There was no other thing you could do with it. So in a market that was making people rich, and, and wouldn't it make total sense that people would say, oh, I'm going to create a better Bitcoin. I'm going to create another one. I'm going to create this. This is going to have way more utility. So we have to look at what they would do to have more utility, what they would do to create a new one that has an economic viability in the long run uh, that isn't just it uh, that isn't just gambling or tokened or, or, or something where they make a bunch of money and, and everyone else sacrifices. So what they would, what, what are the options that they could do? Um, an, an entrepreneur from there, you could, Bitcoin is open source. So you could create Dogecoin, you could create the exact same code and do it again. And what that would mean is it would have the exact same utility as Bitcoin, right, as a store of value, but with less decentralization and security because it started later. later. So if you had the exact same utility and something that had less decentralization and security, it makes sense that the longest chain would win, right? And the shorter chain without much security or decentralization would go away eventually. So that's an example of a, a, a something that would be tried and has been tried numerous times. Um, you could then try to solve scalability on the base chain, and you, and you could solve it by sacrificing decentralization or security. So let's say you sacrifice security, and, and people get hacked all the time. Probably no utility. It's going to go away. So let's deal with the other one where an Ethereum fits here. I'm going to sacrifice decentralization and I'm going to centralize and I'm going to solve it from that. So now you have a high cost database because that's all it is. It's a high cost ledger that scales 
why wouldn't you just use a database if you're going to centralize? And so what you see in all of these other, other coins over time, that the rules will have to change on the other coins to favor the owners of the coins at the expense of the users uh, over time or the, or the major owners on the centralization. And that cannot happen in Bitcoin. That can't happen on Bitcoin because it started decentralized and secure. And then what, what ends up happening is in, it's better to look at Bitcoin through, through protocol development, similar to the internet developing TCP IP, and then different layers until you got to HTTP to be able to build the internet. And, and what ends up happening is a software or a technology layer like that has to ossify before the next layer can be built. So it can't do anything else. It has to choose something and do that very well, that narrow use case really well. And then, then once that's stable, then the next layer can be built on that does a different thing with different trade-offs. And the narrow use case for Bitcoin would be store of value. Store of value. And, and this is what we're seeing, but it's still very spe speculative. So, so people, so, so if you measure, if you measure Bitcoin over the last 14, 15 years, it's been a perfect, it's been a store of value. And if you measure all prices in Bitcoin to, to what I just said would happen, prices follow the marginal cost of production. We have exponentially uh, de uh, increasing productivity. That means prices should be falling. If you measure that equation from Bitcoin, you'll see prices are falling. So I have two. I have two more questions, and then we we'll open up um, for for questions and dialogue uh, with 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 our very cherished audience. Um, the first question would be: You talked about you know a fixed money supply. So why is Bitcoin's money supply fixed? I mean, in a technical way, why do we know that it cannot be expanded? And the second thing is: Is this? And I think it is. But is this not actually new? Has there ever been a money in human history that was actually like verifiably fixed? No, there's never been money that's been uh, fixed. So we know from the open source code and and the, and and how the block rewards come into Bitcoin and the mining takes place in Bitcoin. The last Bitcoin will be mined in 2140 or approximately 2140 um, on a on a decreasing uh, scale every every four years. So that's all that's all fixed rules that's that nodes control. In, the, in, in those fixed rules, there won't be over 21 million Bitcoin. That 21 million Bitcoin is divisible. Each Bitcoin is divisible by 100 million sats. So sats is... Sat, satoshis. Right? So, so that's units the, the of... Yeah, it's almost a cent of Bitcoin, but individual units underneath that Bitcoin. And so it gives lots of flexibility in that monetary unit without increasing the money supply. So what that means is prices in that money supply will trend lower and lower all the time. And what that means is uh, uh, if you're a holder of Bitcoin, then, and, and, and why this is so hard to see is we measure our world in, in the currency. We measure the system by the system that is, that, that is, that is a false ledger. And we measure every other price and every other human action by that false led ledger as, as well. So we think Bitcoin price is going up with volatility. What's actually happening, it's the inverse of what's happening in the money supply. Prices are, com and com prices are coming down with volatility against, against Bitcoin. And so if you, depending on what monetary unit you're going to measure Bitcoin in, like if you measured it in Argentina today, 
and you're measuring it from uh, uh, the Ar Argentina currency, it's at Bitcoin's heading all-time highs. But if you're measuring it from Bitcoin, all your prices are falling. It's it it's it's not going up each year. All your prices are falling against it because it's a stable money supply. So last question, Chef. If Bitcoin, you know, if if the all the problems or like ninety nine percent of ninety percent of the problems in the world that we see today, especially the big ones, can be are related to the monetary system. And if Bitcoin is literally the the, the solution by fixing you fix the money by fixing the money, it's actually quite quite clever. Um, Why do you have to sit here and convince people? Shouldn't it be obvious to everybody immediately? You would think so, um, but but um, but I don't think. I, I think when inflation is low, and 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 people their life is is going is it's okay. They don't they don't measure the debt underneath that. They don't look at the economic system and how it's run. They they don't question. They just oh it's okay. That two percent, it's okay. It's I have a decent life, and they don't. They also don't look outside at the externalities that causes around the world, and what's what, uh, what's created. Their life is okay. It's not until that we get to the end of that cycle, where inter, uh, the inflation rate has to go way up, where people start to realize Bitcoin doesn't care. Like it literally doesn't care about all of this. Every ten minutes, there's a new block. And it's just an honest ledger. So I just come back to the th this. Every person on the planet has a choice that are you going to move onto the honest ledger or are you going to stay on the dishonest one? And if you stay on the dishonest one and you defend the dishonest one, you should also look around at the things you're probably complaining about and say, do I have a right to complain about them? Because I'm a part of a dishonest ledger and I'm advocating through my actions on a dishonest ledger. And so, and so for myself, that's actually why I moved so much of my time into this. And it's hard to, it, it, um, today, today you have to explain it because we're in this transition. We're early in this transition tomorrow, a couple of years from now, just like the internet, um, There's going to be so many use cases on top of the honest ledger that people are going to be building products that deliver value to people that they won't even think about it. They'll just move their time to the honest ledger because that's where the value creation is. Well, here's a fun fact, Jeff. Um, and I, I swear this is not staged. Um, Bitcoin actually spiked about uh, $1,700 uh, within the last hour since we're sitting here. So <laughs> somebody is listening. Um, can, can we have a warm round of applause for Jeff, please? <laughs> All right, this is part two. We are doing um, dialogues and questions with uh, people from the audience, from the Liechtensteiner. Um, hi, what's your name and what's your question? Hi, my name is George, and thank you, Jeff, that you're here again. We met last year in Albach. And my question is, the whole inflation, money printing, we are, there is the point of no return, as you said, 120% of the GDP. But how long, how many days, how many years could this be possible again? Um, I, I can't tell you that, and that's why, it, it, if anybody's telling you what Bitcoin will go up to tomorrow, when this is going to happen, um, it, then then you, then the, 
I would tune them out they ex- if they're trying to pick the exact timing thing so um an economy works like the human body works it's a it works like chaos theory instead of the one thing have you ever heard butterfly flaps its wings creates a hurricane somewhere else that's how the economy uh works and so so many little things feed up and to create big movements and then those movements can break all of a sudden and and that break could take there's so many different japan's japan could break China is breaking into deflation right now. Uh, yesterday, uh, China demanded the the the, the big uh, Chinese state-owned companies buy stocks. Demanded yesterday. Yesterday, so so and why? Because China has about three hundred and fifty percent debt to GDP. It's in way worse shape, and so as interest rates go up, and that and 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 they have twenty-something percent youth unemployment. And twenty-five percent of their economy is housing, and 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 then all the financialization of that housing, where all of the people think they're rich, because you had a debt bubble that created this ma- massive rise in house prices, and all of this, all of the different services, investment companies around, chased into that bubble, and now that bubble is going the other way, and and so that money is destroyed; it's gone. Um, and so how do you reflate that bubble? The amount of money that you have to make up is so staggering to be able to reflate that bubble. Is it possible? Yes. But that's, these, that's just one event that could, could trigger a, a cascade over here. Um, and the, the cascade will come. I just can't tell you when. And then what, what do people do when that cascade comes? If, if one day the government said, okay, it's okay, we're going to steal essentially 50% tomorrow of all your savings. Um, and we're going to drive 50% uh, inflation uh, this year to get the debt to GDP. What There'd be a huge outpouring of people be marching on the streets. And then they would go, okay, we're back. And they get rug pulled again later. Right? Because why do we know that? Because we, we see it in Lebanon. We see it in Argentina. We see... And those same people that just 10 years ago had all their savings stolen and then thought they were winning again, got all their savings stolen again. And so if they can't see it and they haven't, and if they're just not a hundred percent Bitcoiners there, then why would we believe that that would happen here? So I, th- I think, I, I think, um, most pe- there's going to be a lot of people that are going to get really hurt. It's going to create a whole bunch of pain. Um, I think the world gets more and more dangerous in that time because people will turn against each other in, in that time, both in countries and between countries. Um, and, and the faster people understand Bitcoin, they're protected from that. They're outside of that system, but I can't tell you a time. So rug pull is actually something that we got out of the world. Like it's a, a new word that we got out of the world of crypto. Is basically when you get the rug pulled out of your feet, and it happens in the fiat system too. I did some research. So the spike in Bitcoin that was just seen was because Grayscale won its uh, case against the SEC. I don't. I don't know if you are familiar with the case. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and and but that also means that the BlackRock ETF will probably be approved next week. Next so that, week. So the, I think it's next week. Yeah. They uh, that that. The, the so we're sitting here at the end of August. 
And I and now I'm, I'm really under pressure to to publish this real soon. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that's uh, that's probably why because because they would have had to be based on that case. They would have had to. Um, I think they would have had to delay the the, the ruling um, for BlackRock. Do, do, do you do you all know about the BlackRock thing? So it's like basically the the world's biggest asset manager. What do they have? Like what ten, twelve, yeah, twenty, twenty trillion. No, I think it's just ten. Just a little tiny ten trillion dollar <laughs> shop. So the biggest asset manager in the world, they want to file. Uh, they filed for a Bitcoin ETF, and, and and we did talk to bankers here and and, and economists and, and and politicians, and they don't seem to be very phased, which I think is weird. Um, do you have a theory? Because I look at the demand that will come into Bitcoin for for BlackRock, but what I also as a, as a media person, the mo what I see is more the the change of narrative that they will bring. Um, even politicians are basically, in, you know. That's in the pocket of people like like Larry Fink, so they are going to 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 change your tune probably. Yeah, this is this is becoming. So it used to be if you were uh, if you were an asset manager, you just went around along with what the crowd did, because then you were, you were safe inside your. Um, and so, I know some of the largest asset managers, and many of them were Bitcoiners, and they have been Bitcoiners for a while privately themselves total maxis understand what that was happening but in their firms they couldn't they, they they couldn't do that today that narrative is totally changing we tend to think in 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 how humans look at things we look at a company instead of all the people in the company and what i can tell you from knowing people in all of these companies that inside these companies the biggest ones on the planet there's bitcoiners everywhere um, and while the company might not have made the move yet, many of the people already have, and they're, and that's going to move into the into the companies. So so that's just what's happening. I, I I'm not a buyer because because BlackRock's coming in because I'm not a buyer because I'm trying to make a whole bunch of money this year. I'm not trading against the fiat system. I'm not trading to try to. I'm this is the this is the system I'm measuring everything by. And it is my long term. It is my long long term plan. So, so I try not to encourage people to think about okay, how much money can I make tomorrow in this. I try to encourage people to think about what the world would look like on an honest ledger, and where where your money can't be stolen um, uh, uh, from you over a long term. Wouldn't you want to save in that? I I like to remind myself and and people that if this is true. I believe it is, but if it is true, um, you can profit with from Bitcoin without actually owning any. You don't have to. I mean, the, the world around you, you will you will find basically, let's call it a better world yeah. um, compared to the to the current system. But you don't actually have to own any to, to for this. Well, to so change. that's what I mean. It, it it forces the free market to work, and the free market would bring down prices for everybody. So no, whether you had it or not, you're a winner by it by it existing, because because your life is getting better as as well. Now, if you own it, if you're saving in it, or if you're if you're um, if you're moving towards it and 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 building businesses on top of it, if if you're doing different, uh, if you're starting to start, I'm not, I'm not, and for people who haven't done the, their own work on what why this is so important, so the thing in Bitcoin says. Uh, 
to do your own do your own research. Don't trust verify. So I'm encouraging you to don't trust verify. But all of the things that I'm, I'm saying are are true from this system. I run a node. You can run a node that verifies the entire system every ten minutes, um, and you can you can run your own wallet off that node. You can run your own, um, it's it's designed so that you can hold you can be your own bank. All right. So we do have another question. Hi, how are you and who are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks. Um, I'm Leonard, and I have actually two questions. So both related to deflation. First one is from what I've learned in school, actually. So maybe it's also about the school system in the end. Is that in a deflationary system, we would also kind of have the idea that I don't buy it today because tomorrow it will be cheaper. I'm, yeah, I'm so glad you asked that. Yeah, I would really like to know your thoughts on that because in my my kind of logical thinking, that makes sense, right? So yeah. our kind of economy would die out okay. because we don't buy. The second question. So let me ask the I, ver first one first, and then uh, then we'll go to the second one. So. Um, let's go through the things you would buy, what you wouldn't buy. Today, um, a television gets uh, bigger, more valuable every year, and cheaper. Do you do you have a TV, or do you, have you bought TVs? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So Definitely. why would why would you buy a TV? So I, there shouldn't be any market for TVs. Everybody should be waiting. Right, because I want one. Right. Yeah, you want one because when when it hit the price value for your consideration, you bought it, and then when you saw something get better and cheaper. You bought it again, right? So that's that's, and so would you buy food? Yeah, you'd definitely. probably buy food. You'd would probably would you buy any medical needs? You definitely. You'd so uh, would would you buy uh, would you buy a computer? It gets better each year. Right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you buy a phone? Um, and so you can see from your own actions that that's the most illogical thing that I could ever imagine. Because if you argue the opposite side of that, what you're, what you're saying, if you take a steel man and you argue the opposite side, is the only reason I spend my money is because if I don't, they'll steal it. Right? Yeah. That's, that's the opposite side of that question. And it's not true. It's not true. I understand why they're saying it, because in a debt-based system, If you don't have inflation, the debt the debt collapses. I'm not suggesting we step off the debt-based system and just one day go to a hard money system. That's why you need a transmission mechanism like Bitcoin that reprices the system over time. And that's what and that and that's what's happening. It's funny because we at we're at the same time we are um, we complain about people buying stuff they don't need and, and, and wasting resources and buying, you know, another pair of shoes, another T-shirt they don't actually need. And then we're afraid of people not buying stuff because their money gets 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 worth more. And then when we go to the supermarket, everybody looks for the cheaper price, right? But the economists tell us that we should be, we should be looking for the more expensive price. So my, and my, very abstract, but one, one other example is billionaires, right? If I'm a billionaire and I leave my money in my company and I leave it invested in the market, it gets, it, it grows, right? I have good investment. It, it grows, right? But I still buy a yacht because I like a yacht, right? Um, so so I, I think, you know, like, like Jeff said, the part of the economy that's, consist that, that's, that's only run on stuff we don't need And we just buy because there's good marketing or because the money is, is worthless anyway. Yeah, that part is in danger. But that doesn't mean that there isn't an, a strong economy beneath that. That would be, would be my argument. But you had another question. 
Yeah, my other question was actually related to, because I, from what I know, the reason why inflation hasn't been that high in the past was because the technology sector was the one contributing to like lower prices every year. Is that correct? Correct. And in that sense, when you were arguing about the technology, I thought like, okay, if technology is getting cheaper and cheaper, and now it's getting more expensive, but you kind of have already explained to me that. Yeah, so so probably, and, and that's why I looked at the numbers on both sides of the ledger, what, what happened in the existing monetary system to, it was an increase in debt. The increase in debt, the, or the rate of increase of debt, came so fast because technology was moving faster. So so if you, if you ask that question kind of in 99, you were probably 1% a year what the real rate of deflation would be. And I, I'm just guesstimating because, because you, you can't measure something that's, uh, that's not happened. Um, but, but I do, but I can tie that into Moore's law and I can tie that into everything I'm seeing the rate of technology improvement that's spreading. We can see the productivity when economists say there's no productivity, there's no productivity because they're measuring productivity through this system. That's misallocating capital everywhere. That's why that that's why they're it's it's not a true measure of productivity. In fact, productivity should be net negative to GDP. Because where is the GDP in your in in your photos? And you take tens of thousands of photos, and you used to you used to develop a film, a thirty roll or twenty four film every month, and now you have tens of thousands for free, and so all of those things fall out of GDP. And that means there's less things you can push up. And the things that you're pushing up um, are, what, what's happened as a result of this is everybody's raced into housing as a store of value because they can't trust their money. Um, it's pushed up housing and then rents go up <laughs> and anybody that doesn't have a house can't afford a house. Um, and they get trapped out of the system and they get poorer and poorer and poorer. That's why what, what I said it's, and, and then what the government does is it expands social programs to solve all of those other people to be, because, and, and this is going to sound, it, it gets worse. You would, you would tell yourself that in, in that, that I have to protect those people that can't protect themselves when you created the problem for those people from stealing their money. That's what, ha that's what's happened. Thank you. All right, perfect. Next question. question. Um, a lot of people do. How are you? Who are you? And what do you want to know? Well, um, after several days uh, in Alpbach, I'm already a little tired. But anyhow, um, I'm Nikki, and um, my my question is: I see uh, your arguments for Bitcoin. Uh, do you have any arguments or any thoughts on altcoins, alternative blockchains? that fulfill the maybe not the uh, store of value uh, issue but all the other issues that lie behind the technology like programmable etc 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 and there are thousands of chains out there that are like ether or ethereum which is you know a very well known which is programmable etc etc solana cardano whatever so do you see anything in this alternative field at all so so to, to answer that, if you were in, uh, I, I understand why the market thinks that uh, uh, will exist. I think all of those altcoins will go to zero. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a utility for anything other than Bitcoin. But I'm talking about Bitcoin in a different way than most people are talking about Bitcoin. 
when I talk about Bitcoin as a store of value, I'm talking about layer one of Bitcoin. I'm talking about uh, Bitcoin as a utility or a payment rail. I'm talking about Lightning. Um, and Lightning is is a layer above Bitcoin that takes advantage of the decentralization and security, but sacrifices a little bit of centralization to speed, speed up. But every 10 minutes, it comes back down to Bitcoin. So if that's the case, you don't need an alternative chain that compromises centralization. You have way faster... You take advantage of everything built on the base to build build another layer on top without the without the the risk. So as and I'm seeing this because I have venture capital uh, uh, company in this space. I'm seeing a rush of talent back on top of Bitcoin because now you can build on top of it in in different layers and those different layers. Um, on top of uh, on, on top of that, uh, there's a protocol or a, another kind of layer two, layer two and a half called Fediment, that uh, that that virtually anything that you could build in an, uh, a different uh, blockchain could be solved on that. Virtually anything. Fediment. But why should it be solved on Bitcoin and not on that? Is, is it because Bitcoin is more secure? Is it because of the economics? What's the re because you can still try and solve the problem somewhere else. So the so the economic. I mean, I don't think so. But yeah. So 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 it's two two things. Um, the centralization um, is a risk to everything built on top of the centralization. So that's that's it would be the, the so essentially you have a centralized da database that's owned by very few people, very few nodes, the major. My, which will change the rules and set and, and a lot of the other things on top of that rule, those rules will get broken. If you look at what happens with Ethereum, that keeps happening right now, right? Rules keep changing uh, over and over and over. And so that'll, that will play out with any, any, any entrepreneur building on top of a centralized blockchain runs that risk. And so it just, it wouldn't make sense to put your, your value, your economic value or your, your ideas on top of a, Of, 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 a, of a centralized blockchain that has that risk. In the same way, it's hard to make an economic choice in the existing financial system to make a capital, capital cost for a long-term project because you don't know the true cost of capital because it's changing up and down because the monetary supply is broken. Same thing here. That's what will happen in, in, on Ethereum. It'll, it, that centralization produces a risk. Rules will change. And it costs more. It's not as economically feasible on, uh, on uh, the economic value of a, high, of a centralized database. Doesn't, uh, it, it, it costs more for all users. So just on the economic calculation alone, Bitcoin will win. All right, next question, please. Um, hello, um, my name is Moasir and um, My question is, um, I, I kind of have trouble understanding where in a, dis, uh, in a deflationary system, where is the incentive to, to do something if you are able to save your money and keep it in your bank account and it's getting uh, more valuable every day? And um, where, where is my incentive to keep doing something, keep uh, uh, um, investing my time into the economy and Yeah. So, so the entrepreneurial process or any other process or company or employees in the, those companies. So if you had enough money 
and you just wanted to retire and not do anything and invest, invest your money, you might do that, right? If you didn't, you would go try to create value for somebody else. So you could make more money, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't change. That equation doesn't change because, because the, the market is inflationary or deflationary. It doesn't change one iota. But, um, st- but I mean, if you have enough money, uh, you could use your money and uh, it wouldn't get any uh, less money if, if you have, if it's getting more valuable every day. And today uh, it's, it's also possible, but uh, your, the, the difference is your money isn't lying somewhere in your bank account and isn't used by anyone, um, but it's um, actually getting reinvested in the market. So it's, isn't that a little inefficient if everyone has just lying Uh, their money around no so so no uh, so right now you could ask this for me right um why do i have a venture capital fund why am i investing in bitcoin companies on top of this layer right because why don't i just hold bitcoin and do nothing well so why would i do that and i'm doing that because both i can advance the honest ledger by building products on top of uh, on top of that help, helping entrepreneurs create value for others on top of that but more importantly uh, or as importantly um, I think I can beat the rate, rate of return of bitcoin by doing that so I'm not measuring in fiat currency but the same reason you would invest uh, dollars in fiat currency right you would invest in a company is you think you can beat the inflation rate um, by investing in that company And the same reason that you're working at a company is you think you can beat the inflation rate. The truth is, in working in a company, you won't be able to beat the inflation rate. <laughs> And most investors are failing at beating the inflation rate. But some investors beat the inflation rate, or for short periods of time. And the same economic calculation that exists in the fiat world uh, exists here. I'm making this investment because I think I can beat the rate of return of Bitcoin by creating... Today you can buy Bitcoin from an exchange, mine Bitcoin, or buy from somebody who's mined Bitcoin, or, or buy from... I think by creating value in Bitcoin, uh, you can actually create business value. That You can create more, you can capture more Bitcoin by, uh, by creating value uh, in Bitcoin, and that's a way to out- beat the return in Bitcoin. Okay, thank you. you okay, we have, one, we have one more question, please. Do a, what we call in German, Fliegender Wechsel, <laughs> a flying change. Hi there, my name is Alexander. Um, you mentioned before the possibility of being your own bank. Um, the key word, not, not your keys, not your coins. Uh, is there a business model to satisfy these security concerns whilst being customer friendly, easy to use for non-techies? Yeah, and, and there's definitely a business. There's lots of different business opportunities there. And in fact, today, and part of the reason that is advancing, why Bitcoin is growing at the same rate as the internet is because it's easier to use now than it was five years ago. So now with multi-sig um, and, and different ways of holding your own keys, it's a lot safer than it, it would be, be uh, before, and people are learning that. But it's still, for the average person, I think what happens is, Today, we trust an institution more than we trust ourselves. And even if we know that institution, it, if we put our money there, it's losing money. We still trust them. 
right? And it's such a bias because we trust others holding our money rather than ourselves. So just that alone is going to be hard for people to understand. And, and so that's, that takes understanding how easy this is, but there is business opportunity for entrepreneurs to come in to build cust- uh, uh, solutions that, that maybe sacrifice some trust, but, uh, but do it in a different way to be able to onboard way more people. And uh, Fediment or Fedi is actually a good example of that. What they do is they're uh, now it's not out until the end of the year. Um, but what, uh, but what they do is they use the shared custody model on Bitcoin, the multi-sig model on Bitcoin. And essentially I could create my a family foundation, three of five and th- three of five people could, uh, could hold my keys in, um, on a, on a digital, on a digital plan. And then if I lost my Bitcoin, my family could reinstate it. Mm, right. Okay. So when you now, now it, it does sacrifice not your keys, not your coin, because now you're trusting three or five people. And you could say three or five of my family could collude against me and take the money, but it, it puts a different, uh, it, 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 it doesn't in a trust minimized way. Right. So my family isn't going to rug pull me, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and so, so you can now have thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of federations. And if I got a hint, that the federation I was in wasn't a good federation. I can move my money instantly to another or to my own or to my self custody. So what I think how that will play out is it'll be a massive, um, um, ability to scale Bitcoin because it'll, uh, it'll do that. Um, and, and I think how it'll play out is people will hold more money in smaller federations where they really know the people really well. Um, and they'll hold a little bit of money federations that are bigger and so so i i think that's one way to scale bitcoin in a way that that bring that essentially moves all the complexity to the background and allows people to 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 use this easier might it be a philosophical or a societal problem that we don't trust ourselves anymore and we all, are always rely on institutions yeah so so you forgot your password you yeah. you basically can't do anything which is not reversible by some kind of institution yeah and but if if you think about that the the risk is still there and the risk is actually there in a greater greater way as the, the those those get centralized i'll use passwords as an example so One of the one of the things because of where AI is going and, and technology is going is when the marginal cost of production is zero, it means I could create billions of scam bots tomorrow, all personalized, that might look exactly like you with your voice to trick the bank, mm-hmm. right? To trick. And those could be, that could be going to your family, that could be going to your bank. If you think the the content farms trying to get you to pay money to, to a prince in, in Africa <laughs> um, are bad today. And those work. Think about what that does for zero cost because the cost. Uh, and so it just opens up these attack factors, but, but Bitcoin is behind this wall of energy and that security and, and, and wall of energy. So, and, and behind these private keys. So things that are inside of that system, are also protected from all, uh, from, from all of that because they're, uh, they're protected from that. Uh, um, so if you use this example in, in, Fe- uh, in Fedi as an example, 
I suspect somebody is going to build an app in Fediment that is a password protector. But the password protector would be inside your federation, and that might be a family federation that held all your passwords that could be unhackable because it wasn't on any centralized server. It wasn't inside the existing system. So I think some of these things are so critical in the world we're moving to to be able to provide something that is that you can't get attacked. All right, Jeff, like I said, we're sitting here for an hour um, doing our podcast here at Altbach, um, the second of second annual Altbach podcast uh, in the Tyrolean Alps. And while we're sitting here, Bitcoin is spiking 6%, 7% because uh, Grayscale just won a court case against uh, the SEC. It's reported as, you know, this is going to be definitely the first Bitcoin ETF. We're not so sure. Um, we don't know what it means for BlackRock, but um, what's your first thoughts? Uh, my first thoughts are, are a wall of money is coming to Bitcoin. Right, we can see BlackRock, uh, we can see Fidelity, we can see all of the different uh, com uh, companies um, moving to ETFs um, because consumers are demanding it. So we can see, uh, and I and I can see through a lot of the different things I can. How many people inside these companies are Bitcoin maxis and understand where the world's going, and 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 the momentum is accelerating. So whether whether the BlackRock ETF comes before the end of the year or just after the end of the year, six months into next year, it's coming. So so I wouldn't I wouldn't be in the existing fiat system, um, having my money being devalued every year when I could where where when I could front run BlackRock. Um, <laughs> That, that is a good answer. Well, <laughs> Jeff, thank you very much. Until next time. Thanks. Thank you. For more content, articles, and podcasts like this, go to fixthemoney.net.